Welcome to our PRBI live session today. Today we have we host Cheryl Bain, principal of Bain Public Relations. She will be joining us from Los Angeles, California, and will speak to us about legal PR. Uh, legal PR is a vertical that is unique to a few countries, an intriguing field that requires an in-depth understanding of PR and a grasp on the finer nuances of the law. Today, Cheryl will share her experience, learnings, and key insights with us on this vertical. A little bit about her before we add her on. She is a communications professional who's widely recognized for her innovative work with law firms, uh, professional service firms, financial and real estate companies in the United States. In fact, uh, in 2015, uh, Cheryl was asked by the International Board of Directors of the Legal Marketing Association to launch the firm's public relations special interest group to advance the PR profession for the legal industry. And that's an amazing feat. So let's add her on and get started. Hi, Cheryl. Hello. How are you doing? I'm actually doing okay. The weather is beautiful here, and um, things are calming down a little bit with COVID. So, and my son just started school this week, which is actually going really well. Oh wow! That that must uh, you know that must be great uh, to have a little more you know to get the kids out of the house, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, he's doing virtual uh, school, like a lot of kids around the world, and so, but we've got him in a learning pod, so he actually isn't in the house. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, before we dive into legal PR and everything about it, uh, let's start with a little bit more about how you got into PR. You know, you made the switch from broadcast to PR in 2005. Uh, broadcast to PR is an interesting journey. Uh, so, how did you decide to do that and write PR? Yeah, so my background is in journalism, and I was passionate about writing. Uh, that's where I went to school, that's where I did my training, and then did some internships at TV stations and started behind the scenes and then worked my way to being on air host as well as a reporter. And I specialized in doing healthcare PR, I mean healthcare stories because I just thought it was such a, it's great storytelling. There's always some hope with the stories. There's always some breakthroughs in, in health and wellness. And um, so I, I was really passionate about that. And I, every job I took, I was, was interested in, in sharing those healthcare and wellness stories. So when I left the broadcast business in 2000, no, 2000, um, I thought the natural transition is for me to do PR for doctors and hospitals because that's where I spent most of my time reporting. And it worked out great. I was doing PR for a hospital network in Southern California. And stories to reporters, just as if I was a reporter, I remember getting hospital contacts or a doctor uh, representative contacting me saying, oh, you need to talk to this doctor, you need to talk to this patient. So it was, it was a really easy transition for me. And then in about 2002, I met my former boss, Tom Tomlin, and he was a fabulous mentor, and he got me interested in doing PR for law firms. He was one of the first PR professionals in the world, I guess, for doing PR for law firms. And so I started working with him. And then in 2005, he decided to go into retirement. He said, take your clients and go start your own PR agency. And that's what I did. I was never an entrepreneur. I was never a business woman, but I became one within a month. <laughs> So during this entire transition, did you ever think, let's say, maybe, you know, it would be um, a good progressive step to join an agency rather than start your own business? Why did you decide to start your own business? Because well, it was actually decided for me. When Tom told me that he was going to be closing up shop uh, within a month, he said, go take your stuff in the next office and move it someplace else. I did actually shop my book of business to other PR agencies, but what I quickly realized was they weren't going to pay me what I knew I was worth. I'm, I'm a rainmaker. I love to connect connect the people. I love to network. That's how I get a lot of business or how I got a lot of business. And I realized that some agencies weren't going to pay me for that skill. It was, we're going to pay you a salary and that's it. And so I became an overnight entrepreneur. I got a website, found a business name, got a website, business cards. I picked up my stuff and moved it to another office and... The clients came with me. So that's really rare when you start an agency with a book of business. And I had one and I and I grew it. And because I was well known in the 
had leadership roles in the Working Association, the organization for business development and marketing, and uh, PR for the legal industry, mainly law firms. So I, I was known. So business, as, I, as soon as I opened up, people started sending me more business, and my business is wrong. Wow. <laughs> so uh, it must have been interesting, you know, transitioning from uh, working for someone to actually working for yourself, right? It was, it was, but, you know, it was, like I said, I had a, I was really lucky. I had a great mentor and Tom made the business really simple. Um, you know, running a business is not simple, but it, he made it very simple where I already had all of the foundation in place. Like I said, I already had the billing done. I knew how to bill. I had the invoices already. There wasn't a lot of things to do that to get my business up and running. But what two things that I did is I got a great bookkeeper and I got a great account. So I mean, those are those are really important. But I mean, I just kept running, 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 and and um, you know, there's been. You know, complications along the way, people having to let people go, the, the, the natural course of any business. But I've been very lucky that I found a niche that worked for me and worked for my business. Interesting. So let's say when you transitioned into PR, right, uh, from especially when you are moving in from the other side, uh, that's mm -hmm. journalism. Uh, what was your biggest uh, learning or let's say what was the biggest eye opener when you came to the other side? The biggest thing that I had to learn was the client's always ready and the client's needs come first. My natural instinct was to call a reporter and say, I've got a great story idea, you know, but I realized you have to check everything, check the client, make sure the client's okay with me pitching this story, make sure the client's comfortable with me talking about something. Um, and so I was so aggressive and outgoing and, and then it alarmed a lot of people in the PR agency that I was in at that time because people didn't understand my I mean, I was in an open, open space. And so there was a breaking news story. I would jump up and I'd be like, did you all see that? Did you all see that? Because in the newsroom, everybody gets really concerned about like, who should we call? What do we do? And people were like, what is this, who is this crazy woman? And I think that was, you know, I was 30 at the time. So it was my combination of my energy and excitement about the news business that I mean, eventually I calmed down and I still get excited about the news. I mean, I text my colleagues and I'm like, did you see this news? Or who do we have? What can we speak about? We need to ask the client if, we can, if they can have any conflicts. Can we speak, you know, get people out there? But I really had to understand that as much as, much as my allegiance to the to the reporters, I had to be, have more allegiance to the client. And being a little bit, taking a step back and breathing and say, okay, now does this work for the client? Is it, you know, are there any conflicts? Um, will they want to speak about it? So the client always comes first. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that must have been a huge learning on that. You know, but and it's perfectly fine. I mean, uh, it's it's really amazing that you still get excited about a new story that you've done for your client, even mm -hmm. after being for so long. You know? Oh, absolutely. I'm. I, like I said, I still get excited. I mean, we're. We're in an unusual time in the news cycle. I mean, in the United States, we have an election. We've got the COVID. I mean, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot happening here, and it, and it can be overwhelming. But still, going back to the principle, the clients always first. And as much as I want to get out there and talk to reporters and find sources for them, I have to be because a lot of these topics, especially for law firms, they these are really sensitive topics, and so you have to say, is is this a, is this something that the client wants to be a story the client wants to be in, or are there any conflicts? Like, for example, when you do work with law firms, conflicts are huge. Uh, right. We work with a lot of organizations that have numerous amount of conflicts because they might have clients on both sides. So it's like, do they want to be um, speaking about one side when the other, you know, they might have clients that feel completely different. So there's a lot of um, sensitivities with doing PR. I mean, for law firms, and I love it. I, I love working with really smart people. I I speak to smart people every day. I speak to interesting reporters. I'm constantly having to find, uh, I mean, look at stories all over the world on all different topics. But um, again, going back to it, it's, it's, I, I'm still passionate about the news, but you know, my clients' interests come first. Yeah, I, I think that must be the very reason why clients love you. <laughs> yeah, many reasons. And let me get my list for you. <laughs> no, it's 
Um, you know, I think the maturity, understanding the nuances of legal mm -hmm. is much different than doing PR for a beauty brand or a tech company. It's like everybody is a user of a, or a potential user of a, of a consumer product. But with right. lawyers and law firms, they get hired by very specific people. So we're very strategic and very targeted on what they can speak about, um, you know, what they, if there's any conflicts, and then obviously going to specific publications that their clients right. read. When you do PR, for, and I call it professional services, because I'm also law firms and accounting firms and um, other type of uh, professional experts. It's it's not about getting out there everywhere. Um, it's about really being seen in the publications that their um, clients or referrals are going to see mm -hmm. them. You know, uh, that's interesting. You've actually set the context for our discussion today. Uh, so, you know, legal PR, uh, it's a very interesting topic. I remember when I met you for the first time and you told me that you actually specialize in legal um, for, I think, for about a, a couple of seconds, I didn't know what to say because I hadn't heard about somebody who specialized in legal PR. Um, in our country specifically, there is no agency who specializes specifically in this. So I want to understand from you, uh, is legal PR native to the U.S. market only? It's native. Well, yes, it's, I would say it's, it is definitely native to the U.S., but it's done in uh, Canada. I mean, there are marketing and PR professionals and business development professionals all over the world. Um, mm. In India, maybe one of the places it's not, but I definitely know that it is in um, parts, different parts of Asia, um, right. China and Japan. Um, definitely Europe. I've got colleagues all over Europe and I'm right. Canada, but South America as well. Okay. So if I'm to understand correctly, uh, legal PR means that you would be hired by legal firms specifically, not just legal departments of big corporates. Well, it can, it's, it's pretty much what they call the legal ecosystem. So it can be any, it can be a law firm, uh, both a defense firm, meaning a business was hired, um, a law firm or a plaintiff's firm where, where you, I don't know if in India it's the same thing, but class actions where a consumer is wronged by a product or uh, that's where they file a lawsuit. So those are more plaintiff's firms. Uh, we are also hired by legal service companies where these are companies that provide services to law firms or corporate legal departments. There's also legal tech. This is a technology very similar to like um, healthcare tech. It's technology specifically to help law firms and legal departments run more efficiently. Um, and that includes everything from just the systems they have in place to managing um, managing litigation to AI. And then there's also legal departments and some legal departments will use PR because the corporation PR will focus more on the, the service or product, but not necessarily the legal department. Okay, so how is this vertical perceived when you cross state lines, or let's say uh, when you cross continents? What I don't really do, you know, we typically mostly do work in the United States, um, sometimes Europe, sometimes Asia. I mean, it's the United States is considered one even if I you know cross state lines. So it's more of a um, you know it's more of a global or national practice that we have. Right. Right. So uh, let's say in uh, U.S. versus Europe versus Asia. Uh, like, for example, you know, when you look at beauty PR, uh, you look at doing PR for a beauty brand, per se, um, it's pretty much the same everywhere, right? Uh, there is no real difference about it. Uh, but legal PR, is it perceived differently in each of these countries, mm -hmm. these continents? Is it is it perceived? I don't think so. I think it just depends on how, uh, you know, working with the media and how the media's appetite for speaking to the lawyer for a breaking news story or some trend story. There are national publications and legal publications as well as trade publications, mm -hmm. um, environmental or energy or um, you know just other entertainment. So those publications do look for lawyers. I think it doesn't really matter where you sit, um, but as long as you have the expertise. So we do pitch uh, international publications as well. And for example, like publications that are maybe um, an Asian publication, but they may be based here, are looking for a U.S. source. Fabulous. 
So what have been your, some of your toughest cases? Give us an insight into that. <laughs> if you can't, that's perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> so as you can imagine, in, in the work that we do, our clients often will file or defend litigation. Right. So right. Some, some of the more challenging ones is when there's more when there's crisis involved and the, the client may ask, um, a, a company representative may ask their lawyer to speak on behalf of them when they file a lawsuit. And I love those type of uh, PR activities. Those are my favorite because that's really where the strategy, the media engagement is involved. And I love when my clients get high profile placements. Um, I have done everything from uh, just traditional litigation to uh, high profile divorces. So, um, because we do represent family law firms in right. custody, um, we do represent plaintiff's firms in filing cases uh, on behalf of like homeowners where they may feel like there's a construction defect issue. We typically are hired for ongoing PR, not necessarily project basis. So it's, it's a continuum of services. And our goal is to get our clients continually out there talking about what they know and what they do for their clients. Uh, we don't do as much crisis work, but when that does come up with a current client, we're engaged. But there's nothing that has been so challenging for us that you know we we couldn't handle it. Um, and then, but there are times when our clients will want to be in the news, but not necessarily. Um, be mentioned with giving information to a reporter. So we will kind of do some back channeling and say, hey, here's some information you may want to know, but you didn't, you know, you don't know where you got this information from or things like that. But there's nothing been that, honestly, there's nothing that's been so crazy that um, we haven't been able to, to manage it. So great. So, uh, you know, what, uh, let me rephrase the question. Uh, your, let's say, biggest win in PR or the one that you really enjoyed working on? Can you share an example with us? I have lots of wins. And to be candid with you, because of the work we do, it's almost daily. Like our, my favorite thing is getting a client quoted in a story and having their client see it or a potential client see it. So it's a great business development opportunity for them. And that happens quite often where we'll get praise, thanking you, thanking us for our efforts and letting us know um, where the client, you know, got some feedback. It happened recently. I'll give you another one example is we not just media engagement, meaning you get our clients quoted by reporters, but we do a lot of lawyers love to write. So we're constantly suggesting articles to publication editors. And so I was pretty strategic with this bankruptcy attorney and I said, you really should get he gave me a story idea, and I said, no, let's turn this into an article. And it was really about the intersection of bankruptcy and class actions, like employment class actions. And so he wrote this article for a publication, a publication that was focused on that issue, specifically focused on labor and employment. And he got a call from a labor and employment attorney saying he saw, he saw the article and he thought it was really interesting and that he is – He's speaking to a client about bankruptcy as a result of this class action, and would he be willing to be a consultant on the matter? So that's an example of, of really how content um, and the power of PR and the power of content and having the right story in the right place at the right time can, can generate business. Because when you do PR, I mean, you know, you talk about the ROI. ROI doesn't always come up in PR. It's like when you pitch business, like what's the ROI? Am I going to get business right away? And I say. It can happen, and it may not happen right away. And I've gotten numerous examples of where it happens, but um, it's just being at the you know the right content, the right publication, at the right time. So the pandemic must have uh, you know uh, hit uh, you know kind of accelerated growth in your business. I would assume you're given your background, the fact that you work with hospitals and legal as well. It's a deadly combination. So how have the last few months been for you? They've been, you know, been challenging for many reasons, and not just personally, because you know we're all personally affected by it, and we've had to limit our interactions with people. And I, my husband and I, and our my son is, we're very social people, so <laughs> had to, to scale back a lot of that. Um, I worked from home since two thousand and seven, 
So that didn't change where we were required to stay at home. I mean, I'm in my home office right now. This is really where I spend eight, 10 hours a day. So that didn't change. How my clients worked changed. And so I was really a sounding board for them of how they, how do they do it? And what, you know, how do you manage that? And all that kind of stuff. Thank gosh for technology. I mean, that makes things and I'm really able to connect with people like you and, and clients, but I was really, you know, a sounding board for, for a lot of them that were trying to figure out how do I manage my work and my life from my, from my home. But, you know, we've lost a few clients and that's just because everybody in March where they're, trying to figure out their budgets and what they were going to do. I've been able to secure new clients as a result of the, of just being tenacious and networking. I mean, I'm still, I'm doing everything that I was doing before, except obviously being in in person, but you know, like I said, there's just a lot coming at us. And I think one of the conversations that's happening in PR and just any business is just wellness, balancing the bombardment of negative news with managing your life and being feeling stable and feeling secure and, and in business. But I, one of the questions you're going to ask me is how has PRBI helped uh, my business? And it's really like having these connections. I would never have connected to you, which you're a fabulous person. And it's like, it's such a, an honor and a, a privilege to like meet people like you. And I think, and to be able to have those conversations of like, how are you managing this? How are you managing your team? How are you managing clients? Do when you lose a client? And that's really been the value of PRBI for me, especially because I'm not in a partnership. It's, it's just me. And um, I mean, I have two other people, but I'm the only owner of the agency. So having those connections are really important. No, I completely agree. I mean, uh, PRBI has been fabulous in that sense. That we can all talk and figure out that you know how everybody's doing, how businesses are doing across continents, and you know just a personal chat. Yeah. I think that's cathartic in some sense. Very true. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so, has the uh, ask from clients changed for you at this point? I'm sorry, repeat that question. Has the ask from clients uh, changed? Has the client brief changed in the last three months? Um. Not as much. I mean, in the beginning, right when COVID started, there were so many changes in laws and proposals of new laws and law firms were turning out so much content. I think, and the reporters were looking for sources. So I would say in March, April, and most of May, we were probably pitching our clients' articles Few, I mean, few articles a day, and reporters were just inundating with. I need to talk to a lawyer about tax. I need to talk to a lawyer about labor and employment. I need, you know, like litigation, business, business interruption insurance, which continues to be a big topic today. Um, in the last couple of months, things have slowed down, and there's not as much. I think people have gotten more settled into how things are operating in their business. Um, and in law firms. And so the crisis is, is still around, but it's not as dire as it was um, in March and April. But the need is the same. Every People still want to be quoted. There's still articles, speaking engagements, which we get involved with. We do a lot of research on speaking engagements. It's a really great way for lawyers to show thought leadership and get business. That's changed a lot because there are no in-person events. There's more virtual events. So um, the process for, for pitching speakers is about the same, but there's, um, so I think a lot of the needs have not changed, um, but things have slowed down tremendously from when um, we were first on lockdown. Interesting. So when you said, you know, a lot of our clients get the business from the speaking opportunities and networking opportunities that they get, uh, and now things have moved online. Uh, so has that impacted uh, a lot of their business because your regular media activation still continues? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, that's that's the, the million dollar question is that how do you develop business on these kinds of platforms? And so for mm-hmm. us, I'm doing a lot of coaching on the use of LinkedIn. Lawyers are like, well, I now want to use LinkedIn because that's really the touch point to clients and contacts. I still say that's you want to interview, you know, do interviews, why you want to write articles. And it's not just who you do those, it's what do you do with the content after. 
And so that's where we also we talk about social media and the power of social media to broadcast a message. So um, that's those those needs have, have changed a little bit. I mean, the lawyers have always been involved in networking events. I mean, those are all online now. It's just it's continually being in touch. How do you stay in touch with your network? Um, and people are still networking. People are going to events. They're, they're on message boards. LinkedIn for sure. Um, yeah. So do you also engage them uh, with uh, social media activation? Has that seen a push in your agency uh, in the last three months? Yeah, like I said, I've done a lot of lawyers asked, um, you know, how do I how do I post? And you're thinking, well, you didn't know that before. And and some of them some of them just ignored social media altogether. Some just were were engaged and and just never really they had a profile um, and it was updated, but they didn't know how to post. So I, I was in the last few weeks. I've been doing a lot of LinkedIn training and explaining that once you get an interview or an article or if you're invited to speak or um, you're able to invite other you know other people to attend your event, you know, posting. Right social media is it's i mean it's the best way to let your network know as long as you have a network on linkedin it's one thing to have a profile as you know but if you don't have any connections then there's not a lot of value there so it's really understanding how you know who to connect with what kind of content to post and all the contents and all those details that come along with an effective post hmm. interesting you know uh it's interesting to see that uh even uh in your country, as well as in us, uh, a lot of clients that were dilly-dallying about getting going digital. You know, you had those plans and you had those long meetings that kept, uh, the discussion kept going on and on. Uh, in the last three months, we've seen so much of this digital activation. Uh, we have our hands full with it. And uh, specifically, getting them to understand how to amplify PR content has mm -hmm. been one of, uh, let's say, the biggest new additions to our scope of work. Yeah, I mean, well, lawyers, especially litigators, have had to adapt pretty quickly because in the United States, courts are closed, and in some cases, they still are closed. So I was speaking to a lawyer yesterday who had a legal argument over the phone, and I know others that are, you know, doing depositions or other type of um, speaking to judges via these kind of platforms. So it's... Um, I think our world has has changed, and I don't and I don't know if it'll ever go back. So I think people need to get comfortable with, um, you know, using these platforms. Like, listen, it, it, it will go back. People will go in person, but I think that some some institutions like courts maybe just keep, you know, the, the uh, internet open so people don't have to travel. And they get okay to do a deposition or do an oral argument. Over you know, over this type of platform, I think everybody will, will understand. True. So, um, I'm curious to know, you know, when you say you help them uh, with social media amplification, mm -hmm. um, lawyer is it different as compared to, let's say, a regular brand? Uh, let's Absolutely. I mean, with when it comes to professionals like lawyers. You can't just say anything, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of things you can and can't say because you can't just give legal advice out over social media. So there's there are and then there are what you call bar rules of what we can and cannot say. And then you've got your law firm who will say, well, we don't, you know we want you engaging, but we want you to avoid these topics or these issues. But uh, social media is is where professionals really can showcase their, their knowledge and you know what what they do and who they do it for. And the two places that people go when they get a referral, especially for lawyers or professionals, is a bio online. And if they don't have a bio on uh, their organization's website, which is very unlikely for a lawyer, but LinkedIn. I mean it's definitely become a place where people know that they can go and find professionals to help them solve their legal problems or business problems. So um, social media, LinkedIn specifically, Twitter's and other, Twitter and Instagram are, are different. We don't spend a lot of time on Twitter and Instagram because there's not a lot of visuals 
in law. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to see somebody's building or the scales of justice or a courthouse or, but um, there are, I think it also thinks it depends on the client. Now, client represents social media influencers or athletes or uh, brands that are on those platforms and that's a consideration. But as you know, being on Twitter, being on Instagram, it, it's one thing to set up a site, but it's nothing to to keep it engaged, um, keep it going, and to keep it active. And players are really busy, and so it's it's you know, and it's not their number one business to be on Twitter and to be on on Instagram. So most people have Facebook, Instagram because it's something that they do personally, but not necessarily professionally. No, I completely agree. LinkedIn is a wonderful platform for professionals to connect and, and a little sooner, I would say. <laughs> you know, but between uh, your do's and don'ts, the media do's and don'ts, and the agency do's and don'ts, the law firm do's and don'ts, I'm sure the, the kind of strategy that you would give them, uh, you know, would have to be really unique uh, because it's a very short list of subjects that they can actually talk about. Yeah, the, the list of subjects is not short. It's what they can say. For example, and, and it's and we have to decline media. We, we decline more media opportunities than we get, and the clients understand it. So it's they don't fault us if we bring them an opportunity and they have a they have to decline because they represent Microsoft or they represent TikTok or they represent Facebook or they represent General Motors or Tesla. I mean. That's just the, I'd rather the, the goal of PR is not for law firms to lose clients. It's to gain <laughs> clients. So that's the, the, I mean, being on the front cover of the Wall Street Journal, which is every lawyer's dream, um, it's fabulous. But if you lose a client, there's zero value there. So it's, it's really, we have to be very strategic. We have to check in with our client. Um, this is breaking news. Can you, cannot, can you speak? And then you have to find out, do we have a spokesperson on this? And the, the lawyer may be in deposition, the lawyer might be in trial, the lawyer may just be like, I just don't have time to do this. I'm in a, I'm in a closing um, um, that I'm not able to, to handle that, or I'm going on vacation, which is in, which one happens a lot. So um, it's not just identifying the topic. You have to go through all of these, all of these layers. And there's any times when you, you'll send an opportunity and it's like cleared and the lawyer's like, you know, I really just don't have that expertise or I don't have anything I want to say right now or I don't agree with that. So I just don't want to put myself out there or I'm litigating a case and we're litigating it, that exact issue. And I don't want my name in a story because I don't want it to come back to me and have the judge say, well, you know, you said that in that article and now you're suggesting something else in another argument. So there's a lot of nuances, but what we're like, I mean, but it's really being targeted, strategic, and being very, very careful. The first way we can lose a client is if somebody speaks to a reporter and they speak about a client and the client gets upset and then the firm gets fired. So we are very careful to make sure we check every week. We have record of it so we know that like, we did get promotion for the attorney to speak about this topic. I, it's it's not an easy job. Uh, I I mean, in regular PR itself, there are so many uh, you know checks that we put in. Mm -hmm. But your to have your vertical specifically seems to have a humongous amount of um, I would say balance and checks and uh, control that is required. Absolutely, and that's all. What's also interesting is we don't just work with lawyers in real estate or in beauty and fashion. Our clients are in every industry. So we're having to monitor media in every industry because we've got people who want to speak to reporters in, in all of those industries. I mean, I can, not just family law, but in, in general litigation, but again, it's, it's health and beauty and real estate and hotels and just workplace issues. And there's just I mean, there's, there's, and there's a lot of changing policies and laws. And then obviously we've got an election coming up. So it's like, what is, what does the world look like with, you know, a Biden administration versus a Trump administration? Will the, the securities and exchange policies be different? Like there's just a lot of, there's a lot of nuances um, and it's constantly changing. So we have to stay up to date on, on all of those things so we can find opportunities for our clients. I mean, there's a lot of knowledge consumption from your end as well to be able to, you know, put all of these things together 
to be able to advise your clients. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, we're, you know, we're, none of us, nobody on our team are lawyers. Um, we're media relations professionals. So <laughs> I do know a lot about the law, but I'm not an expert in any way. I can tell you what the workplace issues are. I can tell you. I can tell you about a lot of the things, but I. That's, I'm not an expert in anything, which is why I've got clients who can um, be experts in it. Uh, I mean, I was just about to ask you, do you have lawyers in your team? But I guess you answered that. I'm sure by now you would be uh, well versed with a law yourself. Absolutely, I have no interest in going to law firm. Uh, going to law school. Uh, not with not with my journalism background the writing is totally different the thinking is different i mean it's just that's i mean i could do it i mean but i just i have no i have absolutely no interest no interest in it right now no i'm happy to you mentioned different verticals uh you know that you work with uh irrespective of whichever vertical they are from uh you know if they have a legal requirement uh that person is your client mm-hmm. uh, you know moving on from there uh do you also look at connecting uh you know with professionals across different continents and have you utilized the PRBI network to do that yeah the majority of our clients are US based organizations and while they may have operations overseas our clients are mostly interested in media in the United States. I've been able to refer business and I've able, been able to do work on joint projects, but mostly with US-based uh, PRBI members. Yeah. Um, can you give us an example of a collaboration, a successful collaboration that you did with any of the PRBI members? Yeah, right now I'm talking to Lee Weinstein at Weinstein PR, um, and I'm helping him with a current client that is opening up an operation in Los Angeles, and I've already made a connection to, uh, to Los Angeles Business Journal um, because I'm just because I'm based in Southern California and in a, and I know the media here really well. I'm I'm an expert in that, even though I don't do work in the industry where his client is, but I do know the media and I know how to put together a successful pitch, and I'm able to make those introductions. So that's one that's actually just kind of a week old. So. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's interesting. Um, you know, it's fun collaborating uh, across cities, across continents, but that's concerned. Absolutely. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to do that. Like I said, it's having this network, you're able to ask questions, share knowledge, um, and everybody's so open to sharing right. their experiences, which I think is super helpful. Like I said, you know, I mean, being the only owner of this agency, I don't have a place to go to saying, well, how, what kind of challenges do you have or how are you handling this situation or what technology are you using? And it's fun to have friends around the world now. You know, that's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. It's not just uh, it's friends. True. So true. Um, so I'm coming to the Holy grail of PR, uh, our, our impact uh, measurement in your vertical, is it different? And how do you go about doing that? Measurement is always tricky. I mean, lawyers want results and they want to know if I'm going to invest in this, what is my return on my investment? And I can't promise that in PR. And, you know, you can't even promise that in in, in marketing and any business development. I mean, it happens. Like I told you, it happened recently with this bankruptcy lawyer that I'm, uh, this bankruptcy firm that I'm working with and one particular lawyer where, you know, they were, he's able to connect the dots, but sometimes you don't connect the dot. I mean, the dots don't connect that easily because if you get quoted to write an article, how do you not know a month later that somebody had that article on their desk and you're like, gosh, I had that problem. Oh, let me go look at that article. So there's not always that direct um, investment. And we're not, again, we're very strategic in talking about what our clients do and what, you know, what they know. So it's, we, we're not getting everybody. I mean, because if I wanted to get everybody out everywhere, I mean, I could get you all these placements, but that doesn't boost the bottom line. It gets you a lot of exposure, but that's not what our clients want. Our clients want business. So it's really being strategic and, and, and making sure we get, like I said, the, the right placement, right time, right topic um, that we can use to amplify what they do and what they know. So how do you handle the ROI question when they ask you, you know, because like you said, lawyers want results um, uh, more than so than any other brand who questions us about it, right? How do you handle that? Yeah, I mean, 
Law firms are a business just like any other organization, but they don't look at it like uh, or don't judge media relations on how many impressions we have or how many how much we've invested in media relations and how does that relate to our, our bottom line <clears throat> and how much money we've brought in the door. Because again, it's hard to say if somebody did a post on LinkedIn and how many views they got, well, how many phone calls did they get? It's not necessarily about how many phone calls you get. It's keeping top of mind with your clients and referral sources. So, um, you know, law firms luckily don't judge by the placements and the impressions. They just want to continually be proactive and getting their name out there, staying top of mind. And that's lucky, but I, but I do give it, but I'm, I'm straight with my clients or, or when I talk with clients, they're like, well, what, you know, when the business will come in the door? And I said, you know, I can't guarantee that. But if we can help raise the awareness of the firm, we can raise awareness of your services. And that's really where PR, um, you know, plays a role. And we can give examples of where PR is definitely brought in business, but there's no guarantee. I mean, there's no guarantee in business either. You can send out a patient and no guarantee the reporter is going to be interested. So, right. so what's next for uh, your agency, so you for Bain PR? Well, I think we're going to continue to grow. I think that's something that's always of interest. And luckily, I'm able to make decisions on the kind of clients I want to work with. Sometimes I, I don't because I do turn away a lot of business too because I – I have to listen to my gut, you know, being a business owner, I'm like, I'm going to talk to somebody on the phone. I'm like, is this somebody I want to work with? Is this the project I want to, you know, get involved in? So that's something else. But um, I think we just continue to, I mean, I love what I do and I don't have a huge agency. That's not it, it really, going back to when I originally started. Um, you know, I never wanted to have a large agency. I like doing the work. I love the call engagement. I love doing the new relations part of it. I love doing the strategy. I have a great team that I can collaborate with, but I'm not looking to have, you know, a 50, 100-person agency because then you become an HR director, you know? Then you, then you become the CFO, the, the HR director, the, you know, the IT department. Not, but I'm just – I think we're just – we're going to – to be candid with you, stay steady and continue to serve our clients, continue to enjoy what we do. It's more and more of a lifestyle where we work hard and we have lives after six o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, fabulous. Though uh, the field that you work in, uh, it's very difficult to imagine life after 6 p.m. <laughs> yeah, our clients typically shut down afterwards. I mean, we're and the media uh, goes home too, most of the media that we work with. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's important that we, that we have a life. Um, and that's part of, you know, one of my, um, that's what part of why I've kept the agency boutique is because I want that, um, life balance. Right. I mean, uh, that's wonderful to have. And I think a boutique agency model gives you an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm lucky that I feel very lucky and grateful that, I do have a successful agency and I'm able to um, do what I love. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I was going through your profile and um, you there is also a mention of the legal PR blog that you founded. So that's interesting. How did that come about? In Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Is that my blog or is, or is uh, the Legal Marketing Association's PR SIG? Which the Legal Marketing Association. Yeah, so Legal Marketing Association is an association close to my heart. It's actually how I built my business. I developed a lot of leadership skills as a result of being involved in that um, worldwide association. And the Public Relations Special Interest Group was founded a few years ago. It was because the association recognized that there were a lot of communications professionals that didn't fit into the marketing, business development, sales, or other tech, digital technology type of buckets. So we created a community where we can all really connect and get together. And so at the annual conference, when we have an annual conference and we're together, this year will be virtual um, for obvious reasons, uh, we would have our own kind of summit where we would plan the programming and we would you know, get together and just talk about all things communications for law firms and legal, legal industry. And that started uh, a couple of years 
No, I was a couple years before we started the special interest group, but I was one of the founders of that as well, that, that communication wow. summit. So, um, you know, I'm a huge advocate of, I mean, everything we do is about communication, whether it's marketing, business development, sales. I mean, we're all in the communications business. And so there are some of us that really just specialize in doing communications and PR for locker rooms, and I'm in that, I'm in that bucket. But they do cross over because when you talk about PR for professional services, the question is, well, who are you targeting? Who are you marketing to? And those are the, those are the people that we want to know so we can go look and figure out what publications are they um, what topics are of interest to them, and that's what the PR plays Role. Interesting. Yo, okay, so uh, quick uh, five questions that I have for you. Right? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's look at this as a rapid fire round. Um, the five, uh, let's say, uh, the three, um, you know, fastest growing mediums that you've witnessed in the last three months. Three months. Oh, for sure. For sure, LinkedIn, social media. Um, right. you know, all, most publications are online. In fact, we're learning that a lot of print publications, especially trade publications, are ceasing to exist and everything is going online. And then I think networking, um, still these type of networking are huge for law firms and professionals. Okay. You have your own podcasts. I'm sorry? I missed you. Oh, podcast. podcast? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Podcasting, absolutely. I apologize. Yes, podcasting. You know, video used to be huge. Um, right. services. And then people realize that it's easier to do podcasting because you can just pick up the phone and, and, and do it or you can do it via, you know, these type of platforms. But yes, podcasting is huge. A lot of law firms are doing podcasting. Um, a lot of consumer brands. So yes, podcasting is huge. But the co- podcasting actually has been big for the last couple of years. So it's not necessarily just three months. Okay. Uh, webinars versus live sessions. Live sessions. People are tired of webinars. You can't see the person, and it's it's better to be engaged this way. So yeah, I would say live sessions. Yeah, your go-to measurement tool. My go-to measurement tool. Yep. I don't have one. To be candid with you, I don't have one. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. <laughs> uh, the favorite, uh, let's say your favorite uh, app or software that you've discovered to make life easier for you in the last three months. Um, my uh, calm. <laughs> you hear a calm <laughs> meditation app. <laughs> That's all. I would say calm. <laughs> Uh, that's good <laughs> okay uh, so we have our last question now uh, three takeaways from this session that you want uh, PR professionals who are getting into you know legal PR to take away from the session yeah I was like if, you, if you're new get, get a mentor somebody that can really help you under navigate the legal industry because it's really good PR but understanding the legal world and the nuances of PR I think are, is really why we get hired because um, we don't just know, you know, know how to do PR, but we understand how to work with law firms. Um, writing is still really important for for all professionals, um, and communicating complex issues is also um, important. And how do you communicate, and when to communicate? Because if a client sends you a filing that they're going to, you know, they're going to file with a court. It's well, you don't just get it out there. I mean, there's definitely some strategy that goes into it. When do you file? Do you give an exclusive to a reporter? Things like that. Um, and the other key takeaway, I think, is always patience. 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 Okay. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be patient because that, that ultimate opportunity may not come tomorrow. It may not come next week, but it will come. You just have to be patient for it. Um, and just not, never stop searching for that that perfect opportunity for your client. You know, I, I must mention that since you mentioned writing is one of the most essential skills even today. Uh, in regular PR jobs, also that's a real tough find. Uh, in your vertical, that must be really difficult because reading a legal document ain't easy. 
No, it's not. And I do have, because I'm not a lawyer and I wasn't trained in law- to be a lawyer. I mean, I definitely have to use my clients to explain a lot of things to me. And I'll go look up, you know, what does this term mean? And, and um, but the goal and the reason why clients hire us is because we're, we need to disseminate complex information and make it really simple for a reporter to understand because most reporters are not lawyers either. So it's very much like having and, you know, in many instances, we don't want to do PR for something. You know, I mean, I've told, told clients, yeah, this is not the right time or I wouldn't get this out there right now. I mean, so there's there's a lot of nuances that happen with um, with a with a lawsuit or a legal issue. You've actually had to uh, turn clients away and tell them not to do PR at that point. It's yeah, it depends. I mean, some some instances, um, I know reporters won't write about a, you know they may not be interested in an appellate argument or an appellate win. Um, maybe the client wants to file something, but you know it's a Friday and you don't want them to file it on a Friday, and maybe we wait till next Tuesday. Um, many times they may not want um, to get promotion for a case because it may be, you know, they don't want it to be appealed. Um, so there's just, there's a variety of reasons and we have to ask all those questions. So basic question. Um, I promise that's the last one. When a case is in court, uh, lawyers are allowed in, in US to talk about it and advocate about it and maybe make a media appeal. Is that legal? Yes, it, it, it is. A lot of it's, but it's, the client always, the, their client will always tell them whether they can or cannot speak about a legal issue. And most times they, they, they can't because the client may say, we don't want anybody to know we filed anything or we don't want anybody to know we won. Um, even though in litigation, it's public record, um, they may not want the media to broadcast that. Interesting. Great. So um, on that note, we wrap up the session today. Thank you, Sharon, for taking the time. It's great to connect with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, most welcome. And I'm sure a lot of people who will view this session will learn a lot about your vertical as well. Uh, Really taking time out to speak to us and helping us understand more about this vertical. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. So that was Cheryl Bain, principal of Bain Public Relations from Los Angeles, California, speaking to us about legal PR. We do hope this session helped you understand the nuances of this very unique vertical. Thank you again for joining us today for the session. Uh, We will see you again at the next live session with another interesting conversation on PR from an accomplished professional, this time from Europe. Stay tuned.